Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before I start this week's episode, I have some news. I've been lucky enough to narrate the companion podcast to the new crime investigation TV show Murder Town. The podcast series has been written by Anna Priestland and is available on Apple Podcasts, Acast or anywhere you get your podcasts. Here's the trailer and don't forget to subscribe. Are you ready to delve into the dark side of your town? These are the true crime stories from 10 towns across the UK. 10 stories of people who might appear just like us, but capable of evil. They are the stories of Murder Town. Who are they? Where are they? They could be anywhere. Every week at 9pm from Monday the 3rd of September, watch the brand new TV documentary series Murder Town, hosted by Catherine Kelly, exclusively on Crime and Investigation. Then join me, Benjamin Fitton, from They Walk Among Us on this, the official Murder Town podcast, where I'll be following on from each episode and exploring a brand new case from each murder town. to Season 3, Episode 11 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. The Jane and John Doe's of the UK... The unknown people walking amongst us, unnoticed on the streets, here one day and gone the next. The unidentified, the unloved, 
the forgotten, the lonely, the lost, the missed and the loved. Discarded shoes in unlikely places can be an unsettling sight. A solitary trainer at the roadside, an abandoned hiking boot on a rambler's route. Why are they there? Who do they belong to? In the last 11 years along the coastlines of British Columbia, Canada, people curious about the lonesome shoe washed ashore have had their worst fears realised. Out for a walk on a Vancouver Island beach in December 2017, a dog had become preoccupied with an object entangled in the sea kelp. As the owner drew near to investigate what his pet was so fascinated with, he realised the focus of the dog's attention was a foot in a white sock and a sports shoe. The feet on the shores of Canada have become a source of speculation, some people believing a serial killer is at work disposing of their victim's feet in the sea, only for some of them to be brought to shore. The mysterious appendages inspired hoaxers to organise bones from dogs or chickens in trainers and leave them near the sea until someone discovers them. In total, 14 human feet have been found in athletic shoes. DNA has linked two pairs of them, and eight people who the feet belong to have been identified. Something not as widely pondered on the internet is the feet that have been washed up on the shores of the UK. On February 7th, 2018, a right foot from what investigators believe was a male was found on a Venlaheli beach near Bangor. Tests indicated that he had not been in the water more than a week, and no foul play could be detected from the examination of the foot. Two days later, the press reported that the foot had been linked to the unexplained deaths of two men discovered in Moultrith Bay, Anglesey. Detective Inspector Gerwin Thomas explained, Police are working with the Coast Guards to recover the bodies of two men. The deaths are currently being treated as unexplained as we try to establish the circumstances surrounding the deaths. Formal identification is yet to take place and HM Coroner for North West Wales has been informed. Sadly, we believe this incident may be linked to the discovery of the human foot on a Venlaheli beach near Bangor earlier this week. Locals were oblivious to the discovery until four police cars came hurtling through their sleepy village with lights flashing and sirens blaring. The men discovered were reported as not being local to the area and the police were quick to find out who they were. On February 10th, an officer spoke to the press and said, We have established the identities of the two men sadly found on the beach at Moultrith and we are now in the process of contacting their next of kin. After their families were informed, their names were released to the press. Richard Hollis from Preston, who was 37 years old, and Nathan Orritt, who was just 18 and from Blackpool. Nathan's father poignantly said, We are going to miss him so much. I'm remembering the day he was born, his first day at school. I just wish we'd had more time. We're all struggling. It has been so unexpected. In March, an initial inquest was adjourned with no date set for the next one. The spokesperson said, We have theories as to what happened, but investigations are ongoing, so I won't say anything further, as my theories may not be correct. 
foot belonging to a man in North Yorkshire washed up on the sandy beaches of Cleethorpes in Lincolnshire during August 2010. Just over a month later, his other foot was retrieved from Tersh Helling in the Netherlands. In the same month, a left foot was found in the River Humber, a short distance from the Humber Bridge. The owners of the appendages were identified, but their names were not released. There were no suspicious circumstances surrounding either man's death. Some of the feet discovered on British beaches haven't been matched with their owners. Right foot was found in Middleton near Lancaster on August 5th, 1987, wearing a UK size 4 sports shoe labelled Made in Britain. A couple of weeks later, the left foot was discovered 60 miles away in Hesham. Both of the female feet were in identical sports socks and trainers, featuring a design that mimicked the Adidas brand, with three vertical stripes up the side of the grey and blue shoes. The female is thought to be white, and her age has been estimated anywhere between 17 to 50 years old. A left grey kicker's brand shoe washed up on Hightown Beach in Merseyside on November 17, 2004, with a sock and a foot still in it. The shoe with a sturdy white sole was a size 11, was one of only 500 pairs sold in the UK in that size. Scientists believe there is an answer as to why feet turn up on coastal lines, and they have a simple explanation why the frequency of the discoveries have increased in recent years. It isn't the work of a serial killer, as the bones do not show the trauma that would be evident if a foot was forcibly removed. The people they belonged to ended their own lives, or had a tragic accident at sea. The feet became detached through wastage of the body, which is accelerated by the water. The buoyancy in today's sports shoes and walking boots have increased with the addition of plastics, air bubbles and light soles making it easier for the shoe to get caught in the current and eventually wash up on shore. Bodies have also been discovered on beaches in the UK. Some of them are identified quickly, but for others it can be years before their identities are realised, or that day may never even come. A headless female body was found on a beach in Cable Bay near Hollyhead, North Wales, during 1994. The unknown woman was unidentified for 23 years before authorities found out who she was. 49-year-old Pauline Finlay left her mobile home at the Oldbourne Caravan Park in Wexford Island to walk her two dogs on Oldbourne Beach, Cahor, near Ballygarrett at 3.30pm. She didn't envisage being long. She had plans to see her play with her husband Joe that night, and she needed time to get ready. The minutes, then hours ticked by, and there was no sign of Pauline. In the morning, a search party came to a baffling scene on the beach between the dunes. The Finley's two dogs were excited and barking at two dark items ten feet apart. A pair of Wellington boots, Pauline's boots, were left in the sand. Joe Finley thought his wife had possibly lost her footing while washing the dogs and got pulled out to sea. Pauline couldn't swim, and the pull could be strong. There was no sight of Pauline Finley, and her family wouldn't know her whereabouts for over two decades. In October 1994, seven months after she went missing, 
Pauline's partial remains were discovered in seaweed by a woman cleaning oil from birds on the Welsh coastline. She couldn't be identified, so her remains were buried at an Eswin cemetery in January of 1995. Her husband Joe Finley died in 2017, but before he passed away, investigators believed they had pieced together the puzzle and their discovery was relayed to him. Confirmation came when in December 2017, the remains were exhumed for DNA, and a Catholic priest, Father Frank Murray, performed a graveside blessing. He spoke to the local press. I said a few prayers, or blessing prayers, um, for, the, for Pauline, um, because I think it's a wonderful thing that this has happened, that they've identified who this is. And it might, and it will, I think, bring comfort to the family. Her brother had been in touch with me by email um, about uh, me coming here, along with the police, of course. Um, but as I say, I do think it will bring comfort, especially at this time of the year, of uh, Christmas time that we're coming up to. Um, but also after the long wait they've had to find out where she is, and now that her remains are going back to Ireland, to her resting place with the family. The remains were sent to Dublin's coroner's court in January 2018. Analysis was undertaken using familial DNA, with a sample cross-referenced against Pauline Finlay's brother. In April 2018, an inquest was held. Pauline's family were told the DNA was a positive match. A neighbour of the Finleys, at the time of Pauline's disappearance, described the period just after she went missing. Mr Byrne explained how local people came together over the first few weeks to try and find the missing woman. He tried to recover the body in a boat on one occasion. He said, I saw very clearly a body just under the water. As we stopped the boat and turned around, it disappeared. He recalled the next day people on shore were scanning the horizon with a pair of binoculars and thought they had seen a body. A lifeboat attended the area, but there was no sight of the body they thought they saw. The coroner recorded an open verdict. Finally, after the inquest in April 2018, Pauline's family could lay her to rest in Ireland. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. The scenic cliffs of Cookmere in Sussex are a popular place to walk and soak in the view. It is also the place where two unidentified people have been discovered. On April 16th, 2014, somewhere between Cookmere Haven and Berlin Gap, the decomposing body of a man was discovered. Nothing is known about his death, except he was thought to have passed away three months before he was found. The man wearing cargo trousers with a purple sweatshirt was described as East Asian and could be aged anywhere between 20 to 40. 2,000 yards from the cliffs of Cookmere Haven, a female body was caught up in the water within a cove. Despite the best efforts from Sussex police, they could not unearth the identity of the woman. Dental, fingerprints and DNA were tested but led nowhere. She was discovered at 1pm on July 4, 2017 and just over a year later at her inquest, the coroner concluded that there were no suspicious circumstances surrounding her death. Her injuries were consistent with a fall from a cliff, and a forensic artist produced a portrait of the woman. She was white with shoulder-length deep red hair. Her age has been guessed anywhere between 25 and 55. Distinctive items in her possession were two silver-coloured necklaces. One was plain and solid with no links. The other is more unique and delicate. The chain is a fine link and an attached pendant shows a series of small leaves with clear stones. A detective sergeant for Sussex Police said, We don't believe she is local as she matches no missing person descriptions, however she could be from anywhere in the country or indeed the world. It is very tragic that she has not been identified and we would urge anyone who thinks they might know who she is to get in touch. The Jane Doe found at Cookmere Haven isn't the only unidentified person that is suspected to have arrived from somewhere else in the world but met their end in the United Kingdom. 
A deceased woman lying face down was discovered by workmen on April 10, 2002, near the westbound carriageway of the M45 motorway near Daventry in Northamptonshire. It is believed she was found no more than two days after her death and the cause was a heart attack. The woman, who was approximately 60 years old, had ingested 10 packets of cocaine. Although investigators made considerable progress in piecing together who this woman was, her true identity remains a mystery. They unearthed that she probably flew into Birmingham Airport and had connections in the West Midlands. She was from St Catherine's District of Jamaica and was thought to go by the nickname Modern Girl. Her distinguishing features were a prominent mole between her nose and mouth and she had braids in her unique hairstyle that had a ginger tint peppered with grey at the front. She's thought to have given birth to at least one child. Surgical scars were found on her body across her abdomen and long scars on the inside of her arms. Her face bore old scars on her jawline and another was prominent on her left eyebrow. Very little is known about a man thought to have been in the country for a short period of time. He was aged 17 to 30, had brown eyes and was 5 foot 7 inches tall. He died on January 26, 2000 on the M40 motorway in Great Milton, Oxfordshire. He was hit by a vehicle after falling from a lorry while waving his arms trying to attract attention. Most of the unidentified lost their lives through suicide or natural causes. A heart attack while jogging, a homeless man frozen in permanent sleep. There are few that reached the end because their lives were taken from them. These John and Jane Doe's were the victims of murder. On a spring day in Exmoor National Park, West Somerset, March 3rd, 2002, a horse rider saw some black refuse bags left near Hulse Lane on the slopes of Winsford Hill. After a brief look, the rider initially thought it was animal bones. A park ranger removed the sacks but didn't look inside as he was under the assumption the contents were the remains of an animal. The plan was to take them to the incinerator at the Devon and Somerset Staghounds Kennels which was nearby. Luckily the bags were not incinerated straight away or it would have erased any proof that the person ever existed. Days later, one of the staff members looked inside the bags and realised the bones were that of a human. The body told investigators some vital information. Firstly, that the man had probably died from stab wounds. The degree of preservation and the study of satellite images showed he had recently been dumped where he was found. The man had probably been killed in late 1999 to early 2000. A piece of jewellery he had been wearing was distinctive. It was a 22 karat gold necklace with an inscription from verse 255 of the Quran called the throne verse of the chair. The necklace was made in Pakistan and commonly worn in the Gujarat area of India but it wasn't as commonplace in the UK. It was determined he had a Caucasian bone structure and darkly pigmented skin, so investigators believed he could be from North Africa or the Indian subcontinent, but could also be Middle Eastern or Eastern Mediterranean. Other items found with him were a pair of Adidas black shorts with a logo at the back of the waistband and three white stripes at the bottom of the leg. A Dorma brand quilt was also in the bag. His short dark hair 
a slim build, stood about 5 foot 9 inches tall, and an estimate of his age put him in his mid-twenties to mid-thirties. He may have only been a resident in the UK a few years prior to his murder, living in southern England, most likely Plymouth and Bude in the west, or Paul and Bristol in the east. Detective Superintendent Barry Douglas spoke to the BBC in 2002 and outlined some more critical details. Yes, we know some at least 12 months prior to his death um, that he suffered some blow to the mouth, either an assault or an accident. Um, it actually knocked one of the upper teeth, front upper teeth out, and the two teeth in the uh, bottom, on the bottom jaw, on the bottom set of teeth, um, the edges were fractured off, chipped off, and they've been replaced by a dentist by using some tooth-coloured amalgam. But he's used... The work to fix the man's teeth was unusual, and not the standard way a dentist would fix a tooth, as the bond went across two teeth instead of one. In 2017, the appeal was revived to try and unearth the identity of the man, and eventually the person or people that murdered him. In June 2017, a segment on Crime Watch Roadshow was dedicated to the case. In a separate interview, DC Pete Frake of the major crime review team said, We've carried out exhaustive inquiries over the years, tracing hundreds of reported missing people and following up leads from members of the public, but frustratingly, the identity of this man is still unknown. We have a full DNA profile, so cutting-edge forensic techniques have been utilised, and we've sought input from leading scientific experts from around the UK and Europe, including anthropologists pathologists, dental morphology specialists, and experts in mitochondrial DNA analysis. Establishing the man's identity is the key to unlocking the case. We need to let his family know what happened to him and ensure the person or people involved in his death and gruesome deposition of his body on Exmoor are brought to justice. Another mysterious murder happened 39 years ago. On October 19, 1979, a young woman was looking to hitch a ride. When a lorry stopped, she climbed in the cab. It isn't known whether she knew she was six weeks pregnant, but she wouldn't be seen alive again. The driver of the lorry, Harry Pennolds from Ticehurst in East Sussex, claimed he dropped his passenger off in Kent when he was questioned after the woman's body was found in Bedgebury Forest near Cranbrook in Kent four days later. The woman had been beaten to death with a wooden stake so viciously that a reconstruction for identification was particularly tricky. Details painted a picture of the woman who had hazel eyes, straight brown shoulder-length hair and slightly protruding teeth. Heartbreakingly, she had given birth before, so maybe her child or children are wondering where their mother is, even after all this time. She was guessed to be between her mid-twenties and mid-thirties, though her height is often reported as 5 foot 1, just as often as it is said to be 5 foot 11. She's thought to have been living in the north of England, though as a regular hitchhiker. She's believed to be Eastern European and was wearing black shoes, a black and white floral dress, a black polo neck jumper and yellow blouse. Despite numerous appeals and Harry Pennells being questioned three times, no progress was made to prosecute the person responsible for this vicious murder. In 1988, the case was reopened and using DNA technology that had been introduced after the victim's murder, they tested some items that may be of relevance. 
A sleeping bag found in the back of Harry Pennold's lorry in 1979 was one such item. Blood specks in the sleeping bag matched the murdered woman's DNA. Almost 21 years after her death, in May 2000, 75-year-old Harry Pennolds was brought to trial. The accusation against Pennolds was at the time of the murder, he picked up the victim at Spitalfields Market in central London on October 19, 1979. The prosecutor said the lorry driver had given her a lift, and as Pennolds made a delivery to Keithley in West Yorkshire before bringing her back down to the south of England the next morning, he then allegedly took her to the forest, bludgeoned her to death with a wooden stake, and tried to hide her body in the undergrowth. Harry Pennell's defence assured jury members that the prosecution's case relied on circumstantial evidence and that their theory had several holes in it. He said there was no evidence to link Harry Pennell's with the scene of the murder or to prove that he had been in the lorry on the exact date of the offence. Witness for the defence claimed to have seen a female matching the deceased description a day after the prosecution said the murder took place. Harry Pennolds denied he gave the unknown woman a lift from Spitalfields and instead claimed he collected her from a service station on the M1 near Northampton where she'd asked for a lift to Liverpool. The defendant said the woman told him her name was Margaret or Marjorie and she lived in Stepney, East London, then she changed her mind and decided to travel to London with him when he'd returned home the next day after he'd made a delivery of fruit. Harry Pennold said, Just before we got to London, she said there was no use going home, as her landlady had gone to friends at the seaside. She asked if I'd drop her off as she was going to Dover to meet her mates to go to Scotland. Harry Pennold claimed that he dropped the woman off at the Dutch House pub in South London and did not see her again. He disclosed he had not picked up the hitchhiker for sex. Following a month-long trial and an hour of deliberations by the jury, Harry Pennolds was found not guilty. After the verdict, Harry Pennolds' solicitor said in a statement, Harry is relieved that what has been a 20-year ordeal is now over. He simply asked that his privacy is respected so he can return to his wife and family. In a public statement by Kent Police and the Crown Prosecution Service, they said, as with all unsolved murders, this case will remain open. Perhaps the greatest tragedy surrounding it is the mystery that still surrounds the identity of the woman who was bludgeoned to death without mercy. Even now we would appeal to anyone who can help us to name her to come forward, so that finally we can end this awful mystery. Police followed leads as far as Texas, the Netherlands, Ireland and Tanzania, hoping to discover who was the female found at the derelict Angel Meadow car park in Manchester on January 25th, 2010. Her case is particularly tragic, as it's believed she could have been there undisturbed since the 1970s. Workmen discovered her body as they began construction to build a cooperative group headquarters. She was found with three pieces of carpet in different styles, sizes and colours. One type in plain blue was found on top of her that may have been cut to fit a Ford Cortina as a hole for the gear stick. The second piece had an orange pattern and the third in blue knit were found nearby. Other artefacts managed to remain intact long enough to be discovered. A pinafore-style green 70s dress with large buttons featuring a novelty print of an illustrated man with a top hat and a cigar, 
accompanied by a woman with a martini glass and a first stole. She also had tights and a handbag. This mystery woman was a modern-day UK size 12. A blue bra and sweater were also found on the site, along with a single black stiletto shoe with no pattern. Evidence showed she met with violence before she was murdered, and a post-mortem revealed she suffered fractures to her neck, collarbone and jaw. Detectives also believed that she may have been sexually assaulted, as she was naked from the waist down and there were tears to the dress found near the body. In May 2011, an appeal was launched on the popular BBC show Crime Watch and leads came pouring in. Police were hopeful when they had a number of tips from callers that believed they knew the woman. A family from Tanzania seemed like a strong link, but it turned out not to be the case. Every line of inquiry was exhausted. They even compared DNA on items to serial killer Peter Tobin and child killer Ronald Castry to exclude them from the crime. Five years after she was found, she was laid to rest at the Southern Cemetery in Manchester. It was attended by only two people, the officers that had worked on her case. A woman lay undiscovered for about two years at the side of a road in Thirsk, North Yorkshire. A body could have remained there for years more if it wasn't for an anonymous caller who rang Ripon Police on August 28, 1981 to tell them where to find the body. The caller, a well-spoken male, claimed that he couldn't divulge her identity for interests of national security. He said, Near Scorton Moor House you will find a decomposed body. Officers were sent to an unclassified road, surrounded by farms and fields between two conifer plantations, which led from Sutton Bank to the villages of Scorton and Revo, usually used by local people or holidaymakers towing their caravans and motorhomes to a nearby campsite. Her body was found exactly where the caller said she would be, obscured from view by the nettles that grew around her. The discarded yoghurt pot lid was trapped under her body, and this piece of rubbish helped identify the period of time from which the victim could have been there. She was naked, with no possessions or external clues giving a hint to her identity, besides pale pink varnish on her nails that was later found to be from a Max Factor Maxi range. An examination determined she had probably been a mother who had at least given birth to two or three children. She was petite at five foot two with a slim frame. Her shoe size matched her stature. She was a UK size four. She may have suffered from problems with her back and her right ankle had an old fracture. Her age was estimated at 35 to 45 years old and she had dark brown hair in a bobbed pageboy style cut which was fashionable when she died. Her teeth bore harsh staining consistent with a heavy smoker and investigators also concluded she may have drank heavily. A wax reconstruction was made by medical students. At the time this was a revolutionary process and a likeness was shared with the media. She gained the nickname The Nude in the Nettles and later theories were shared online that she could have been another victim of Peter Sutcliffe's. An inquest gave an open verdict as the cause of death could not be determined due to the degree of decomposition. The case is recorded as an unexplained incident but the circumstances have led police to think it's foul play because of the tip-off to find her and the lack of clothes and possessions with the body. Detective Superintendent Raw, who worked the case said, 
This is a naked woman who was found in a nettle bush. There were no pieces of clothing, jewellery or identifying features. I think there must have been some suspicious circumstances. She was buried in an unmarked grave at Moulton Cemetery in North Yorkshire during 1983. But in early 2012, her body was exhumed to extract DNA from her teeth and femur in the hope that her DNA could be linked to families that called in suspecting that Jane Doe could be a family member or friend. A spokesperson for the Yorkshire Police addressed the press in 2012 and said, There is a family somewhere who has a missing relative and they don't know what happened to her. As police officers, we know that causes a large amount of grief to families. If we can identify her, we hopefully can give them some closure. So where are we now? If you, a friend or family member believe you can help identify the unidentified people spoken about in this episode, visit the Missing Persons Unit at missingpersons.police.co.uk or contact the police department relevant to the case. If you would like to see images and have a recap of the descriptions, please visit our social media pages. We are on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast and Instagram and Facebook under They Walk Among Us podcast. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.